TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to TalkLine with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host... So we, we thank you for tuning in uh, tonight to our show, and you're listening to the TalkLine Network, and this segment is brought to you by Thomas Kenna, 4DA. And uh, as I said, uh, there was a race going on, election day is coming on, some very, very important elections, including what direction our city is going to take. Republican District Attorney candidate Thomas Kenoff is here to discuss how to reduce crime. He's a former prosecutor. He's a judge advocate general. That's a JAG. He's an Iraq veteran, celebrated defense attorney. His success has been chronicled in the New York Times, USA Today, countless other media, was recently recognized as the first defense attorney in New York City to represent his client at jury trial during COVID. And he appears regularly as a legal expert on different news networks, including in the documentary American Trial, Eric Garner's story. He continues to serve as a major in the Army National Guard, and uh, he last year was recalled to active duty for Operation COVID-19, now serving as a legal officer at the Javis Center Vaccine Site, the recipient of numerous awards, including Army Commendation Medal and Global War and Terrorism Expeditionary Medal. And uh, so... Thomas, you were on with us a few weeks, so so we appreciate you joining us again tonight. Or this yeah, morning, well, I should it's, say. It, it's great to be back, Zev. It really is. Thank you. You know, the big issue is crime, crime, crime. You hear that crime is going up in the city, Manhattan especially so, between the homeless and you see people being costed in the streets. And while the next mayor will have an impact, but to a certain degree, and you can tell us better because you're running for DA, is, is a person such as yourself or whoever's going to be the DA is going to really have the impact as far as implementing the law and dealing with no bail and some of the other problems that law enforcement has. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, I always tell everyone that I believe the, the, the district attorney's race in Manhattan is, is as important, if not more important, than the mayoral race. You know, I don't say that because I want to sound important. Uh, you know, I, I never wanted to be district attorney. I never wanted to be in politics. Um, I have a successful defense practice, as you were nice enough to point out. Um, and, and I'm perfectly content to keep doing that, except, uh, you know, I, like every open person with, with an open set of eyes, sees what's happening to our city. Uh, and then when I saw, you know, what was being offered in the, in the Democratic field as far as their district attorney candidates uh, that really, you know, weren't running to be traditional prosecutors, they sounded more like they were running to be public defenders. Um, yeah, I was appalled, and and that's that's why I stepped up and got into this race. Um, really, because you know I care about New York City and, and I care about the people here, and it, and it it sickens me. Uh, it sickens me to see the direction we're going in, and and and, it, and it's more. I find it more sickening because I know that it is mostly a man-made crisis. This is not a, you know an increase in crime that's occurred because of an economic downturn or because of COVID or any of the other, you know, uh, illusory causes that the progressives want you to believe. It's because of wrongheaded policy, and, and it's just awful. 
You know, it certainly is a terrible situation, but you're running as a Republican. Let me ask you this question. Manhattan is probably one of the most liberal places on earth, especially the Upper West Side, not so much on the Upper East Side. So as a Republican, it must be hard to get traction. Are you getting support from the Republican Party? Are you getting support from the community? Because it's an uphill battle considering the demographics of where you're running. But you know, there's no question that voter registration favors Democrats in the city. Everyone uh, is, is always willing to remind me of that. Um, but I have to tell you, um, you know, support from the Republican Party. Look, you know, the, the Manhattan GOP, they're wonderful people, um, but they just don't have the apparatus and the machine that the Democrat, the, the Democratic Party has in Manhattan and beyond. Uh, so much of my campaign is, is a grassroots boots on the ground, uh, you know, raising my own money, getting out there and, and really interacting with voters. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Upper West Side and, I, and I'm glad you did, Zeb, because yeah, I mean, traditionally it's considered one of the more democratic liberal areas in Manhattan, which is already a democratic city. But I, I always point out in my, in my team and my team of volunteers that will come out and canvass with me that we've gotten the best reception really in two places, Upper West Side and Harlem, neither of which anyone would typically associate with a Republican, but both of which are areas that have suffered disproportionately as a result of the increase in crime that we've seen over the last couple of years. We have all know what's happened on the Upper West Side with the, the, the homeless hotels, uh, the really hor- horrific uh, violent crimes, uh, so many of which have, have struck at the heart of the Jewish community. Um, and, of course, when we get up to Harlem, um, you know, what we know, what we know in, in, in areas like Harlem is that violent crime, when you have a 100% increase in shootings, a 50% increase in murders that we had last year, and so far this year, we recently sadly surpassed the 2020 uh, number of murders in, in early October um, already this year. We know that, 90, that, that over 90% of those violent, the victims of those crimes are going are to be black and brown individuals in underserved areas. So, you know, those are the areas that, that are, are, those are among the areas that are reeling the most from this crime epi- epidemic. And I think that is why um, my campaign is resonating so much in traditionally democratic areas because, look, you know, public safety is not a party issue. Uh, I mean, you know, it is not a, a crime and, and, and the need to combat it is not or really shouldn't be a Republican issue. It shouldn't be a Democratic issue. It shouldn't be an independent issue. It should be something that transcends party. And I think it does. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're getting getting the traction we are. Well, certainly it's less, what is it, it's a short period of time to, to the election. It's uh, your challenges out there. How are you, how are you getting out, to, how are you getting your message out there? Well, you know, like I said, a lot of it is just going right to the voters. When you, when you don't have, uh, yeah, I mean, one, just one progressive pack has given my opponent a million dollars. Um, so just on that one donation, he's he, he's uh, outraised us ten to one on that alone. Forget all the money that he's received from teachers unions and all the other special interests. So you know we're doing some media. We we have commercials airing on on uh, Spectrum Cable and RCN in Manhattan. 
Uh, we, we've done print ads. Um, but of course it, it, it's, it's not anywhere near enough, uh, because the resources aren't there. So what we do is we get out there every day. I mean, look, I started today down in Tom's, Tompkins Square Park. I ended up, uh, midday, uh, up on the Upper East Side, by the end of the day, I finished up in Inwood. Um, just, just literally getting out and, and, and meeting as many voters as, as I can. Um, and, and as I pointed out, I think earlier, you know, they're just they're just incredibly receptive. Now we're, we're starting to get some help because finally the media is coming around. Um, we we uh, we were featured, I think, on pretty much every major television network this week: Channel Two, Channel Four, Fox Five. Uh, we, our endorsements are, are coming in hot and heavy. We've been endorsed by the Lieutenant's Benevolence Association, the Captain's Endowment Association, the Sergeant Benevolence Association. Those three unions account for, uh, represent over 20,000 police officers. Uh, the New York Post recently, uh, within the last few hours gave us their endorsement. The Jewish Press endorsed us on Thursday. Um, they split their endorsements between Eric Adams, who's the Democrat, and me, who's running obviously as a Republican on the, uh, as, as the district attorney candidate. So, so there's a lot of momentum here and really the potential to, to make history. Um, I'm not interested in making history. I'm interested in trying to save lives and, and save our city. We have people that want to speak to you as well. And I know you have some rabbinical endorsement. I think Rabbi Mark, uh, Getman joins us. Uh, I had met him in over the summer. Rabbi Getman, good to speak with you. I'm here. How are you? Good, thank you. So I know that you're weighing in on what's going on because New York has changed. I mean, look how many people have moved out of Manhattan and the other boroughs. Manhattan, I think, has been the most affected by the crime and by the homelessness and some of the issues that are taking place in the city. I don't have any statistics, but some buildings have been 30, 40% of people have moved out. But Rabbi Mark Eben, tell us your connection with Thomas Kenny. Uh, we worked together uh, at the, the Javits Center on Joint Task Force Javits, uh, part of the COVID mission, and I sat next to him for, I'd say, for six months and uh, got to know him very well. And, uh, <coughs> um, he, you know, um, I, I support everything that he uh, stands for and working for, especially uh being um, in the city, I, my congregation is in Canarsie, and, and I follow the the trend of what's happening throughout the city, and it, it's just, um, you know, it's it's sad to see what, what what has happened, and I know that he wants to turn it around. No, it's, I think that's what your goal is, because you said you really didn't want to run, but you felt something had to be done. So um, it's really a big challenge. It was it what you expected? Because running for office is a twenty-four-seven proposition. Oh yeah, I mean, especially the last few weeks. Um, you know, it's like October hits and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a switch gets split. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm coming or going lately. Um, but you know, you, you got to embrace it, and, and you, a lot of times you're going on adrenaline. Um, but I, I don't believe there's, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in being one foot in, one foot in, one foot out in life. If you're going to do something, you go all the way with it. That's what I'm trying to do. It's great to hear from Rabbi Getman. Uh, I know him as, as Captain Getman with, within the Army National Guard. Um, you know, and one of the things when we were, when we were serving on the front lines of the Javits Center throughout the vaccine mission, one of the things that would drive me crazy is we had so many 
soldiers that we were serving with from outside the New York area. You know, they were from Pennsylvania, Rochester, Buffalo, D.C., Ohio. And to hear them talk so negatively about their experiences in Manhattan, you know, walking from the hotel to the Javits Center, uh, Rabbi Getman, I'm sure, sure can, uh, can, can, can touch on this. Um, and being accosted by, you know, vagrants outside their buildings, seeing open air drug transactions on Ninth Avenue during, uh, lunch hour, we be eating out of the pizzeria and people are making drug sales on the street, things that we haven't seen in Manhattan since the seventies or early eighties. Uh, you know, and I would interject and say, well, look, guys, you know, this is not how it always is. You know, they they just thought this was New York City and it always had to be this way. And I would say, look, you know, this was not what New York looked like until very recently. And it was really heartbreaking to see, you know, a city that, that we love, um, you know, being portrayed so badly, again, just just. Just because of wrong-headed policy, not not because of any organic in, increase in crime. It was a it's an increase in crime that, crime that was really preordained by by just some terrible laws up in Albany and an unwillingness to support law and order among the administration here in New York City. Let me ask you this question: Will the fact that there's a law in the books with the bail reform will that hamper any DAs from doing what has to be done? There's no question that we need change in, in that law in the legislature there, there's no question i mean having a, having a district attorney that will stand up for law and order support the police having a mayor whether it's eric adams or at least is, is talking a good game or curtis sliwa that will do that will help it, it'll it'll help stem that stem the tide but that law needs to be changed and uh, you know, there were there were many Democrats that opposed the law as written when it was proposed in 2019. Me, even many who supported it said, "Look, we'll support it, but we need a public safety exception. You have to give judges the ability to set bail no matter what when there's a demonstrably dangerous defendant in front of them." And it was a radical wing of the Democratic Party a lobby that was led by the political wing of the Legal Aid Society, of which Alvin Bragg, my opponent, sits on the board of, uh, that, that, that literally lobbied to, to, to deprive judges of discretion to set bail, even when they had a dangerous individual in front of them, like, by the way, the individual who went on the two-week uh, spree of desecrating synagogues uh, in the, uh, earlier this year. Uh, when they finally caught him, Judge Lewis Knock, who also, by the way, is a fellow guardsman uh, and, and, and a, uh, a Jewish American, set bail. And I said, you know, I'm so proud of Judge Knock. I know him personally. Um, but he's going to be reversed because he, he, you can't set bail on a even on a hate crime if it's a property-based hate crime under this crazy law. And sure enough, the next day they had to let the, guy, let, let the uh, perpetrator out. Um so we're going to need help from the legislature. Now, as, as DA, I can't write law, but what I can do is I can lobby. And Manhattan DA's office is probably the most powerful state prosecutor's office in the country. If I'm elected to it as a Republican in a Democratic city, I think I'm going to have a very strong mandate. And fortunately, both mayoral candidates, Adams and Sliwa, have both come out in favor of reforming the bail reform. So I, I think we have a dynamic opportunity to try to effectuate that change or push to effectuate it because we need it. We can't go on like this.
Okay, you're listening to a very special broadcast looking at the DA's race for Manhattan. And uh, thank you, Rabbi Getman, for joining us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Good, good luck, sir. I'm praying for you. I'm Thomas Kniff. Thank you, Mark. I'm the common sense candidate for New York County District Attorney. For a generation, New York has been heralded as America's safest big city. Now violent crime is increasing to double-digit percentages. Quality of life crimes are on the rise. And some of our most vulnerable New Yorkers find themselves targeted based on the color of their skin. And they're about to make sure that New York City is a place that is safe for all residents, businesses, and visitors alike. If we're to emerge from this pandemic stronger, more vibrant, and more dynamic than we ever were before, then we need to be able to ensure that our city is safe for all New Yorkers. My name is Thomas Kniff. Join me this November 2nd on Election Day as we elect a district trait for all New Yorkers. I'm Thomas Kniff, and I approve this message. And you're listening to a special with Thomas Kniff. He's running for Manhattan DA. Rabbi Getman, thank you. And let us also take some other callers right now. Rebitson, uh, Sarah Shalevitz Vorhan, she herself is a criminal defense attorney in Florida and in New York. And uh, Rebison, good to see you this morning. I saw you at the at your husband's shul, the Vorhanstiebel, a very popular stiebel on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So thank you for joining us on the radio tonight, or this morning, I should say. Thank you so much. It was great seeing you today. And your wife, it was great seeing you and your son. So, you, yes, so I'm also a former prosecutor and former public defender, and living in Manhattan as, you know, a resident and born in the Upper West Side, see the decline in how there's been such a rate of crime and to see, you know, the city was so, you know, safe and beautiful and now it's very scary. And I think it's so important that we have a DA in Manhattan that understands, you know, the needs of our city and, you know, will be tough on crime. And I heard Mr. Kenneth speak and he was also talking about that a lot of defendants are mentally ill and they're not getting the treatment that they need. So, you know, and as a defense lawyer and as a former prosecutor, I think that that's so important. I think that um, Mr. Ken Kenneth is so necessary for New York at this time. But um, what can we do? What's the chances for a Republican to be able to win in Manhattan? You know, it's the look, you walk the streets, I walk the streets, and it's not the neighborhood has changed so drastically for the worse. You see, it's a. Uh, I was walking with my wife, uh, we went to the Shlomo Kabach Memorial, that's the yard site weekend, coming back, and even like around 10, 11 o'clock at night, and you see people hang out in the streets, and, you know, we crossed the street to avoid them because it was to look dangerous, you know, and this is what's yeah. happening. There's no people walking around because people are afraid to be out. It's very scary. The city reversed so much. Like when I was growing up, you know, in the, you know, in the early 80s, the city, you know, was dangerous in certain avenues and the 70s was horrible. And now, you know, it's reverted back to that. And there's like no, no law and order. You see, you know, I've been in stores where people are looting and the police don't even come, you know, and they told me that they don't even call the police because, you know, they're not going to do anything. It's a terrible, Thomas, you hear what's going on. I know that you heard this, I'm sure, from a lot of people, that they're walking in the streets and they're afraid and people have moved out. This is a wonderful neighborhood, and in order for it to come back, I would say the number one issue, as you and I have been discussing, has been crime. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Rabbi Shovitz and I had a, a wonderful conversation about this at uh, 
OZ uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, when, when I had the privilege of, of addressing about 15 rabbis there. Um, you know, look, I, I, we're never going to, you know, New York is New York. It's a great place. Uh, it's the Big Apple. There's nothing like it. Um, but even a place like New York City can lose its audience if people are not, you know, reasonably assured of a a, a, a safe quality of life. Um, because, you know, th- as great as New York is, it's sometimes not an easy place to live, right? It's expensive. Uh, the weather isn't always great. And there's a lot of people on the Upper West Side and beyond that that have exercised other options. Now, if we're going to lo- if we're going to be able to attract them back and attract new residents and bring back our businesses, uh, you know, we need to at least be able to assure people a reasonable, uh, you know, confidence in their safety. You're never going to be able to protect everybody from every malady in life, but you know, we can't go on like this. Um, so. You know, when I look at some of my opponent's policies, we brought up, uh, you know, the the issue of shoplifting. Part of his platform is that he's not going to prosecute any theft, two hundred and fifty dollars or under. I said that's a what, crazy thing. You can steal a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, and not be prosecuted. That's an open license for people to steal. And and it's a license that they're availing themselves of. I mean, we go to you go to. Uh, a national retailer now, like the Dwayne Reeds and the CVSs that seem to dot every other corner on the Upper West Side and, and beyond. And, you know, it's difficult to shop because everything's locked up. And I'll have, I, you know, I, I, I just engage with, with the people who work there. They don't even know who I am. And I just say, you know, how's this affecting you? I say, well, it's awful because people, uh, business is down. People get frustrated. We already have an employment shortage. So there aren't enough people to unlock enough shelves to, to, to cater to the clients or the customers. And, you know, maybe they came in for three items, but they'll buy one and leave. So as a result, sales are down. We've been articles that store, stores are closing. Um, you know, and, and who does this really affect the most? Yeah, you know, it may be an inconvenience for a lot of us. But for, but, but for, for many New Yorkers, consider, can, particularly those in underserved communities, it's more than an inconvenience. It could be the difference between them having a job and not having a job. Um, you know, so many minorities, uh, are employed by these national retailers. Underserved communities traditionally have a more difficult time attracting big retailers. Um, how are they going to fare when companies are contemplating coming to New York knowing we have a legal system that doesn't protect their property or doesn't it doesn't offer them any recourse when people come in and loot. Uh, you know, it, it's just it, it is you know it, it is a platform that I pointed out before, but I'll say it again that that at best is anti-societal and at worst is homicidal. Wow, Reveson, good to speak with you again. Thank you for calling Thanks. in and sharing your concern. We want this neighbor to improve. It's the shuls have been affected by people moving out. Yes. Yes, thank you so much, and you know we all support Mr. Kenneth and look forward to him being our DA. Thank you, Reverson Sarah Shuleff Vorhan. Thank you for calling in. Okay, let's. We have a couple more calls. Wow, the phones are lighting up. Let's go to Ariel on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. You have a question for our guest, Thomas Kenneth, who's running as a Republican for District Attorney in Manhattan. Go ahead, Ariel. Yes. Hi. Um, I just want to um, let all the voters know and um, 
um, and and all the donors and supporters that um, drag is against the penalty enhancement for anti-Semitic crimes. So that's another reason to support Thomas is because his opponent, Bragg, is against the penalty enhancement for anti-Semitic crimes. And, um, and you know, and, um, uh, and, and that's been happening. And, um, and, I, and um, I actually just came upon the scene of a um, violent crime that occurred um, around um, between like 5.45, 5.30, 5.50 this afternoon at um, 72nd or 73rd Street between Western Avenue and Riverside Drive, where um, I, I found out that a, um, um, a man um, managed to grab a woman's bag, um, shoved her to the ground. Uh, she got hurt. Hmm. Um, her ribs, her collarbone, uh, um, her collarbone, um, her shoulder. This is happening like throughout. Like we're, we're unfortunately we're pressed by the clock. We have a lot of people waiting to speak uh, to Thomas. Oh, you know, so of course, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let him so, respond to you. Uh, thank you, Ariel, for your call. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, look, absolutely. I mean, you know, so many of the, so many of the crimes that we're seeing are striking at the most vulnerable among us, you know, whether it's an innocent female being accosted by a, a strapping male, a, an elderly lady, uh, you know, uh, we had the Chinese woman who was pushed down to a, a flight of stairs to her death in front of her son, uh, another in Times Square a couple of weeks ago, Jewish uh, ob- observant Jews that have been beaten on the street for having the audacity to wear a yarmulke in public, Um it's awful. And to think that, you know, somebody who is running to be the chief prosecutor, uh, the chief law enforcement official in Manhattan, that's what the district attorney does, uh, is opposed to enhanced penalties for these type of offenses. It, it, it's, it's almost unimaginable. And it, and it goes back to, you know, when people say, well, can, can you win as a Republican here? Well, I, I hope so. I, I certainly hope that when we're talking about something, you know, of this sort of affront to humanity that even the most partisan Democrat, the most partisan Republican, will put aside party affiliation and say, look, I'm looking for the person that's actually going to prosecute the law and enforce the law. And there's one person in this race that that, that has pledged to do that, and, and it's me. Let's go to see on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. You have a question for Thomas Kenneth running as Republican for the District Attorney of Manhattan. Go ahead, Sri on the Upper West Side. Sri, are you there? If Sri's not there, then we will go to Arye. Okay. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. Go ahead. Hello. Arie. Yes, I want to. I want to say why I, I believe this no bail law was passed. And the public should know this. I want to know if you if your guest agrees with me. Um, you know, before the no bail law, for, for for many for I don't know how many years, but at least several years, there were judges, criminal court judges, that had blood on their hands. They would do one outrageous uh, release of, of of a dangerous criminal after another. It got to the point where there was so the public was so outraged they wanted to publish the addresses of these judges and everything. So finally the, the legal aid society says, you know what? 
we're going to make it normative to protect the judges because a lot of these judges were ex um, ex legal aid uh, people, and they were chosen because they had criminal law experience. I believe judges should not be chosen based upon their experience in legal aid society. They should be excluded because that's a bias, and that's why all these people were released before the no bail law because you had judges from the legal aid society, and then they were protected, like you said, by the political wing of the legal aid society who lobbied for this law, and Governor Cuomo, who has more blood on his hands than I don't than any politician gonna, in recent memory. I'm going to let Thomas respond to you. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, so look, I mean, I, I you know, there is no question, and it's important to separate the political wing of the legal aid society. There's no question as a radical wing. Uh, ideologically driven and it's, it's, you know, pro criminal at all costs. From, from the legal aid attorneys who actually go, a lot of them are great lawyers doing a very tough job. Um, I don't know that I would agree with a blanket law that say we can, we can never appoint a legal aid, a former legal aid attorney as a judge. But I think a lot of it comes down to you got to look at who the mayor is. And when you have a mayor like the mayor we've had for the last uh, eight years who is openly hostile towards police, towards law enforcement, it shouldn't come as any surprise that he's going to look for judges that are equally hostile towards prosecutors, towards, towards police, towards the justice system itself um and i think that's why we've had a lot of radical ju judges appointed in manhattan and throughout the five boroughs and they have you know there's judges that abuse the bail system by setting bail disproportionately high when they shouldn't but there's those that there's no question or put people back on the street even before bail reform uh who who, who didn't belong there Anyway, thank you. What about? Are we what? out of time? I'm sorry. We, all right, all right, all right. We have, I want to squeeze in one or two more. We have literally about a moment, so let's get some quick questions. We're going to get to you some brief answers. Three from the Upper West Side. I know you've been patiently waiting for 20 minutes. What's your question for our guest? Yes, hi, Mr. Kenneth. I want to wish you good luck, and I want to ask you if you've had any events uh, planning to have in the next week for the Jewish community, specifically targeted to or towards Jewish uh, vote. Uh, there's a lot of support for Republican policies and conservative policies, uh, not just on the Upper West Side, but throughout Manhattan. Yeah, well, th thanks thanks for the kind words of support, first of all. Um, and uh, we uh, last week we, we had the forum uh, that was hosted by the Jewish Center, co-sponsored by about seven uh, synagogues and Jewish organizations with where both myself uh, and Alvin Bragg addressed the uh, the Jewish community and beyond. It was very well received. I mentioned earlier I, I was uh, at OZ a couple of weeks ago speaking to a large contingent of uh, rabbis. Um, you know, this, this next week is a sprint. We're going to be probably more places than I can even uh, keep track of at this point. I know we're going to be on the Upper West Side. I know we're going to be at some different places where we're going to interface with the Jewish community, and we're going to, you know, sprint all the way to November second. Hey, thanks for your call. Your final call is high from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Hi, hi. Go ahead. Hello. Yes. I'll be I'll be very brief. I heard Mr. Kniff recently describe what happened when Errol Lewis, who's a big liberal, interviewed Alvin Bragg on New York One. Mr. Kniff, could you please repeat that anecdote? It was unbelievable. Yeah, well, I think I think what what Hai is referring to is, uh, and the Jewish press actually mentioned this in their endorsement. 
Alvin Bragg has a long no prosecute list and includes some what what I think most common sense people would consider some very serious offenses, including shoplifting, resisting arrest, obstru- uh, obstructing government administration, and and criminal trespass. Um, so my understanding is, was Errol Lewis had asked uh, Alvin Bragg, well, what happens if an unhinged person, you know, shows, lets himself into your kid's school uh, and won't leave? Uh, that's criminal trespassing. It's not burglary. It's not robbery. And Alvin Bragg basically didn't have an answer. Um, so, you know, to, to really put in perspective how far out my opponent's agenda is, in, in an age of school shootings, in an age where people have targeted schools uh, because the schools serve a certain ethnic or minority community um, that, that in the past has been, has been uh, traditionally targeted for hate. Uh, part of his agenda includes not being able to prosecute someone who shows up in a school uninvited, uh, perhaps with malicious intentions, and refuses to leave. Uh, and, and again, it, it, you know, it's almost hard to believe if it wasn't true. It's on his website. I mean, you can verify it yourself. So it's just, just absolutely awful. Anyway, hi, thank you for your quote. We're out of time. Thomas, how do you get people to be interested or to focus on the race? I would dare say that there'll be a very low turnout on election day, unfortunately, including Manhattan. How do we get people motivated to go vote on election day? You know, look, I, I tell everyone, you know, you, you get we get the government we deserve. This race, as I said in the beginning of the broadcast, I, I think is the most important in New York City. We, we, will, we will lose this city if we elect a progressive DA. We just can't tolerate it. So if you believe in the message, Tell your neighbor, tell your neighbors, tell tell your friends at synagogue. Um, our website is knifferda.com. It's K-E-N-N-I-F-F, the number 4DA.com. You can go on. You can sign up to volunteer. You could sign up for our newsletter. If you're so inclined to donate, well, that helps too because obviously it helps us get the message out. But really, you know, if everybody buys in, two out of three Democrats that vote in the primary voted against my opponent. This is this this is a winnable race, um, but we can't have any passengers. Everybody who cares about the city should be buying in in whatever, every in any way they can. Thomas, I want to thank you for joining with us. Uh, we look forward to having you back again, and we appreciate all the calls that called in tonight. You're listening to a special that's brought to you by friends of Thomas, kind of running for district attorney in Manhattan on the Republican line. Thank you for joining our broadcast. Have a great night, Zab, and have a great night, everyone. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. 
For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the TalkLineNetwork.com. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.